The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now, the government says we need 33,000 new housing units every year. There are various experts who say that's nowhere near enough, that we should be doing forty to 50,000 to cope with the demand that we have from people who want their own places to live and can't get them at present. And if you had more of those places, then you might have more affordable costs for people who are renting or buying. And yet... Headlines this morning that the government has been told that it actually should be building less than the 33,000, that it should be building only 21,000 units a year for environmental reasons. Pat Barry, you're Chief Executive of the Irish Green Building Council. What is the Irish Green Building Council? Good afternoon, Matt, and thanks for having me on. Um, Well, first of all, it's a great headline. Um, Not actually what the article or the report says. But the Irish Green Building Council, we're a membership organisation um, with over 300 members in the whole construction sector from building owners to universities. Okay, but you have done a report which has outlined three potential scenarios and one of those does say that you might have to limit the construction of new housing units to 21,000 units a year, doesn't it? Um, what, What we set out a number of scenarios... Um, first of all, just to give you the background, uh, it's part of a, a roadmap um, for, to, to reach a zero-carbon built environment. Um, as part of the research, we identified that 37% of our carbon emissions are from the built environment, and that breaks down into about uh, 23% to operate heat and light or, or buildings. And then there's a 14%, which is known as embodied carbon, so that's to quarry materials, manufacture products, building products, transport them to sites, and then construct. So um, the the key point is, if we are to achieve a um, carbon reduction as we expand the construction industry, something has to give. So you either have to reduce radically the carbon intensity of the construction you're, you're doing, or you have to reduce the construction. Now, what we proposed is that you need to optimise a number of scenarios. So you need to, first of all, look at your national development plan, um, look at your prioritisation, see whether you can... But first of all, I suppose you've got a number of constraints. You've got manpower constraints. There's a limited number of people to um, build all of the infrastructure, all of the homes and retrofit half a million homes in 10 years. So you need to look at your national development plan and see whether there's projects in there that may be not strictly necessary that could be optimised. And then you need to look at um, the potential to optimise what you do build in terms of homes. Can you get the right mix? Can you get the right uh, size of homes for one, two and three beds? Uh, so you optimise the area of what you build. And then you're looking at um, the potential to reuse space that's already there. So because, sorry, Pat, it, from my understanding is that there's an awful lot of commercial buildings, or office blocks in particular, which are having to be refitted, refurbished for environmental reasons because at present they're pretty bad when it comes to retaining heat and using light properly and the rest of it. So there's an environmental reason for 
spending money on the construction of upgrades or replacements in relation to that. But if you have a shortage of people to do all the retrofits that you say are necessary on older homes, does that not then imply that you're going to actually have to build the new houses with the new energy standards, even if that does have a carbon footprint in the construction itself? Yes, well, uh, in the in the a retrofit typically has about a quarter of the impact of building a new home. So the more homes you can retrofit, uh, taking back vacant space, you know that will have a quarter of the impact of every new home you build. So given that we have something like 166,000 vacant homes, about 29,000 vacant commercial properties, and a really an unquantifiable amount of that vacant space above shops and retail within our um, within our towns and cities. So, if we can bring more of that back into use, we get a number of benefits. We can revitalise those towns. The carbon impact is a quarter of what it would be to build a new home. Then you also get additional side benefits like reduced transport from if you're living in it in a town, then you. You don't need a car. Okay, I want to bring in Carl Dieter from Irish Mortgage Brokers. What do you make of all of this, Carl? Um, well, I think the idea of limiting housing during a housing shortage is like limiting food during a famine. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like, I really don't. You know, well, like the, we, we have the, to get our, we have to get our capital. carbon emissions down. Apparently, as part of a long term yeah. process, construction well, adds to it. If you build well, too much, this, you're creating too much carbon. That's going to be bad for us. We're not going to hit our 2030 well, there's, targets. There's, there's the 300 me- members mentioned of the Irish Green Building Council, who are funded by European Council money and the IKEA Furniture Foundation. But there's 400,000 renters, 10,000 homeless, and countless other tens of thousands of people who disagree. And if they have to weigh carbon emissions versus a roof over their head, they know what side of this argument they're on. You and me know what side of this argument they're on, and everyone listening knows. The other thing is, within this, there's no assumption that there's going to be innovation in energy production. So we're assuming that we have a static production that will never find a better, more green way of producing the energy that we need, because the future is going to be about high energy intensity. The other thing is that a lot of it is pinned upon mobilizing 120,000 of the CSO statistics, which says that there's 166,000 empty homes. Now, Fingal took a home about five years ago, Fingal Council, I should say, when they were told they had something like 3,000 homes. They investigated, and they found most of them were either like under construction, being renovated, vacant for a short amount of time. Of the true vacancy, it was like far above 90% of the homes that the census said were vacant weren't vacant. So those houses aren't there to do this with. So I think there's a lot of this that is based on uh, flawed idea, a flawed idea of what's achievable within what we have, uh, an assumption that the world can never improve, and then a complete disregard for the factual situation of hundreds of thousands of living people here today who want homes. Pat Barry, I'm a bit surprised by you saying that reinstating a house, bringing it up to the required efficiencies is about one quarter of the 
uh, carbon emissions of building a new home. But how can that be when the new homes can put in things like solar panels and heat pumps and various other environmental measures to give you an A rating immediately and can be done on a mass production scale rather than the one-off costs involved in trying to renovate old houses where you might as well be starting from scratch? Well, first of all, to address uh, Carl's point, um, of course, and that's the whole point of the report, uh, we set out one scenario, but our, the, the, the clear scenario is that we want to use innovation to actually be, be able to build more homes. And that's our key point to government, that they need to invest in really low-carbon technologies today, and we need to start to measure the impact um, of our homes because, of course, we have to deliver all of these homes. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying to government is, if you want to deliver both of these objectives, then you have to invest today. You have to invest in new technologies, new low-carbon construction methods. And we have to, if we want to build 33,000 new homes, then we have to get to a 60 to 70% carbon reduction uh, in, in, in intensity. Can that be done, Pat, with things like timber-framed houses? Yes, exactly. Uh, we have the technologies to do this. We can increase um, timber frame. There's a new technology called cross-laminated timber. Um, we can build up to 22 storeys with that. Um, but that, we're not allowed to do that under current building regulations. Carl Dieter, what do you think of the idea of 22-storey timber-framed apartment blocks? Look, I've been a promoter of cross-laminate timber for many, many years, and I've told you before on this show, Matt, that my little brother builds six-story apartment blocks in the USA out of timber. Timber's a great cut structure material. It's been used ever since people have come out of living in caves. So, you know, that is not a, that's not up for debate. <clears throat> I think the point needs to, to stick on the point, which is we, have to, we can't assume that we're only going to be producing energy in one certain way to create disaster scenarios which reduce the supply of houses at a time where they're so vitally needed. It is literally comparable to cutting food production during a famine. That is the simple and most basic point that this report doesn't address. And I think the point is that we are not suggesting cutting the number of houses. and We would prefer if you actually read the report. Oh, I, I actually did, and it was discussed this week at the, uh, the RIAI Housing Committee too. So I, I did have some, like, understanding of it, and I was at that meeting. So um, if you want to throw that one at me, fine. But, like, you don't actually know whether I read the report or not. I'm talking about stuff that's in the report. Uh, to come back to the point, there are three scenarios. If we want to achieve a 51% cut, and we have to throw three things into the mix, we can get uh, prioritize, optimize space, we can um, re uh, reduce the number of potentially road projects in the development plan. They're not really going to deliver the social benefits we need. And we need to um, make better use of that existing okay, vacant Pat, space. Sorry, I just one that suddenly comes to mind. What would be the carbon footprint of building the metro, for example? Because I suspect it might be enormous, but wouldn't it have long-term benefits if it ends exactly. up taking traffic off the road. Exactly. And if you look at the report, it actually gives you a breakdown of the carbon budget for different uh, projects in the, in, in the National Development Plan. Roads and road maintenance account for 43% of the carbon budget. Public transport is tiny. 
he gives you a breakdown of education, healthcare projects, public transport, wind infrastructure, and solar uh, solar production. So it gives you an idea of where we're putting our current carbon priorities for in the National Development Plan. Okay, last word to you, Carl Dieter. Ah, look, <laughs> again, I'll just keep repeating the same point. We don't have all these spare houses to retrofit. I don't think that's really up for debate because when it gets interrogated strong, we realise that the figures are very questionable. Uh, I think that human innovation will find better energy supplies in the future, and that's probably a better fix than trying to curtail output in the short term of all of this vital public infrastructure that everybody who lives here wants. Thank you very much, Carl Dieter from Irish Mortgage Brokers. Pat Barry, Chief Executive of the Irish Green Building Council. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-